Welcome to our weekly Catechism class. This lesson is a weekly look at the Heidelberg Catechism to help us to learn Christian doctrine with a warm and a practical application. Every lesson has an accompanying study guide. The web link to find that guide is in the episode notes. Now, let's start the class and learn the lessons. So welcome to our Catechism class. Nothing happens by chance. Not even the fact that you're listening to this podcast today. Today we're going to look at the first part of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 10, question 27. And because this question and answer is based on the first clause in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, it is really important to listen to the two lessons in Lord's Day 9 before you listen to this podcast. And you can find those earlier podcasts on your podcast app, or you can request the CDs by emailing me at bobmicrovoy at aol.com. So we're at Lord's Day 10 question 27. And the question is, what do you understand by the providence of God? And the answer we must give is that God's providence is his almighty and ever-present power, whereby, as with his hand, he still upholds heaven and earth and all creatures, and so governs them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, indeed all things come to us not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. So that's our topic for this lesson. Nothing in this world, and nothing in your life, happens by chance. I'm Bob McAvoy, and this is the Semper Reformata Podcast. I remember back in earlier years when I was working as a wedding photographer and I would take great care with the preparations for a wedding. I would always meet the bride and groom before the big day. I'd inspect the venue with them. I would plan out the sequencing of the day with them. I would check important times like the arrival of the groom and the bride, even the time of sunset and the weather forecast. And right throughout the event, I would take great care with shots and afterwards spend a considerable time in post-capture processing. Eventually, I would have the privilege of handing them an album of photographs that they would have for the rest of their life. And that was my job done. I'd probably never see them, or see their album, ever again. All my abilities and care and all my love went into creating an album. But there was no need for me to do anything else. Now that's the direct opposite of God's creative work. When God created the world, he rested from all his works on the seventh day, from his works of creation. But his works of preservation and provision continued. God provides for the needs of all creation. He continues to own creation, to govern and to preserve 
the universe that he made. We call this the providence of God. So what is the providence of God? One commentator describes it very simply as God's sovereignty for us. But if you want a more comprehensive definition, there's one in R.C. Sproul's book, Everyone's a Theologian. Sproul writes, The word providence is made up of a prefix and a root. The root comes from the Latin videre, from which we get the English word video. Julius Caesar famously said, Vene, vide, vici. I came, I saw, I conquered. The vidi in that statement, I saw, comes from videre which means to see. That's why we call television video. The Latin word providio, from which we get our word providence, means to see beforehand, a prior seeing, a foresight. However, theologians make a distinction between the foreknowledge of God and the providence of God. Even though the word providence means the same thing etymologically as the word foreknowledge. The concept covers significantly more ground than the idea of foreknowledge. In fact, the closest thing to this Latin word in our language is the word provision. So R.C. Sproul. So simply, the providence of God is God's sovereignty for us. In Lord's Day 10, the Catechist is going to discuss the doctrine of the providence of God. And again, he divides the answer into two parts, stating first the doctrine and its implications, and then applying it personally to our lives in the second part. Essentially, the providence of God is, according to the Catechist, the ever-present extraordinary power of God to control events, to bring everything into conformity with God's will. Let's see how he describes it. He talks about God's power being infinite, The Catechist speaks of God's power as being almighty. It's a word with which we are familiar. We sing it in popular hymns, like Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, or Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of Creation. It really means that God's power is unlimited, and it is ever-present, and that has huge consequences for us. In Jeremiah chapter 23, Uh, We read these words, Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places, so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? So our catechist describes the implications and the impact of God's unlimited and ever-present power upon the universe and upon my world upon the created world and my own private world, my life. He talks about this in three ways. He says that God conserves, God controls, and God cares. Let's look at those three. The Catechist says that God conserves, whereby with his hand he still upholds heaven and earth and all creatures. In Acts chapter 17, the passage that we have looked at before, where Paul is addressing the uh, men of the Areopagus in Athens, he says, God that made the world and all things therein, saying that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worship with men's hands as though he needed anything 
saying, He giveth to all life and breath, and all things. Well, there you are. He gives me my life. He gives me every breath I take. He gives me everything I have. And God controls. There's not a thing that happens in this world that God has not ordained. Notice the comprehensiveness of this. God is in charge of and sustains everything in this world, even the most minute particles that make up this world and the universe. Now, I know absolutely nothing about quantum physics, but I can look up the internet like everyone else. So I do know that every atom that makes up our bodies or our physical world or even the vast universe beyond us is comprised of particles called protons and electrons and neutrons. Protons carry a positive electrical charge. Electrons carry a negative electrical charge and neutrons carry no electrical charge at all. These protons and neutrons cluster around in the central part of the atom, called the nucleus. And the electrons orbit the nucleus, just like a little microscopic universe. Even in the makeup of the atom, the very tiniest particles, sub-microscopic, God is holding together all those particles by his mighty preserving power and his love for his creation. The Catechist explains the depth and breadth of God's care. He tells us that God so governs the universe that none of these things come to us by chance. He gives us a list. He talks about how God controls leaf and blade. I love Psalm 65. Psalm 65 verse 10 to 11 talks about how God controls the growth of plants. Thou visitest the earth and waterest it. Thou greatly enrichest it with the river of God, which is full of water. Thou preparest them corn. For when thou hast so provided for it, Thy waterest the ridges thereof abundantly. Thy settlest the furrows thereof. Thy makest it soft with showers. Thy blessest the springing thereof. Thy crownest the year with thy goodness. And thy paths drop fatness.
wonderful passage of Scripture. God sends leaf and blade and he controls it, even rain and drought. Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 24, Neither say they in their heart, Let us now fear the Lord thy God, thy God, thy givest rain, both the former and the latter in his season. He reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. Leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years. It's an interesting inclusion in the Catechism in the light of our experience of the last year or so. We've had a whole year of off and on lockdowns and barren years. It's hard to see anything good coming from 2020 to 2021 for people have fallen prey to mental illness, excessive fear, loneliness, misdiagnosed and undiagnosed illnesses, many of those illnesses very serious, lost years of education for our young people, lost jobs, lost lives, lost loved ones, and on and on it goes. And yet for the believer, we must see God's hand, even in this great time of unfruitfulness. God has brought us through this just as surely as he brings us through years of plenty. And perhaps he has done so because of the sinful state of the people who claim to be his people. If we turn to Deuteronomy chapter 28, and we read from verse 15 down to verse 20, we will see that God will punish those people who claim to be his and yet who do not do his will. And there are certainly plenty in this modern age who claim to be followers of Christ but who are far from him when it comes to their ethical and moral standards. It shall come to pass. If thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shalt thou be in the city, and cursed shalt thou be in the field. Cursed shall be thy basket and thy store. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land, the increase of thy kine and the flocks of thy sheep. Cursed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexations, and rebuke in all that thou settest thy hand for to do, until thou be destroyed, until thou perish quickly, because of the wickedness of thy doings, whereby thou hast forsaken me. God was speaking to his own people, and he was warning them that they must walk in his ways. So God sends us leaf and blade and rain and drought and fruitful and barren years, food and drink, Acts chapter 14 and verse 17. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness, in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. He gives us health and he even gives us sickness. John chapter 9 and verse 3. Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. 
and riches and poverty. Proverbs 22 The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. Proverbs 22 and verse 2 So the Catechist reminds us of the amount of involvement that God's providence has in our individual lives. It is God who makes the grass grow. It is God who determines the rain that falls. It is God who gives us fruitful and barren years. It is God who provides our food and our drink. It is God who ordains our health and our sickness. It is God who brings us into riches and poverty. So God conserves and God controls and God cares. Indeed all things, says the Catechist, come to us not by chance but by his fatherly hand. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 29 talks about how two sparrows are worthless. They are sold for a farthing. And yet, Jesus said, one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. As we noticed in our last lesson, God is our father. And because he's our father, he cares for us as a father cares for his children. And we are taught to to cast all of our cares upon him. But why would a God who cares about his children send them sickness? This is one of the great issues of the modern visible church. The understanding of God's absolute sovereignty and legislative power over his creation and his providence is so poor that some extreme charismatics will tell you that God wants everyone to be healthy all the time that it is not his will for anyone to be sick, that the reason that we are not healthy is because of our own lack of faith. Now, the catechist is not shy about this at all. There will come a time in your life when it will be God's will for you to die. That's necessary, so that you can go away from this life, so that you can leave it behind and go to be with the Lord in heaven's splendor and glory, to have a mansion in heaven. And God may well use some form of sickness in order to bring that death to pass. And he uses illness from time to time and sometimes brings us through times of great hardship and great sorrow. And he does that so that we can learn to trust him even more and more. Like a refiner's fire, he purifies us by bringing us through those flames. There's one other thing that we need to add. In his providence, God especially provides for those who trust him. While God cares for all of his creation, there is a special provision for his own people. Psalm 37 and verse 25 says, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. In the Bible, he provided food and water in the wilderness for the children of Israel. He fed Elijah at the brook. He enabled Elisha to feed a hundred men from a handful of barley loaves. Jesus fed multitudes of people with tiny amounts of food on at least two occasions. So God provides especially for those who are his. Now there is one sure conclusion to come from this part of 
question 27 in its answer. And that is that luck has no place whatsoever in the thinking of the Christian believer. Proverbs 16 and verse 33 tells us that the lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. We may put things down to chance and to luck, but they're nothing of the sort. It is the Lord, the Lord our provider, who watches over us and blesses us. I wonder, as Christian believers, do we ever in our speech betray the providence of God? I think sometimes we do. When we speak of chance or good luck or fortune, when we understand the providence of God, we realise that nothing happens by chance. When I moved to Belfast to take up the pastorate of an inner city church after 20 years of rural ministry, I was immediately surprised and concerned by the pattern of speech among some if not most, of the church members. They frequently attributed aspects of their life to luck. If a relative had recovered from an illness, he was lucky. If an accident had been avoided, it was just good luck that this had happened. And to be honest, that totally shocked me. I'd never heard professing Christians speak in such terms. To completely omit the providence of God from their mind and their vocabulary. And so I attempted to correct this. I gently reminded them in conversation that luck had nothing to do with their circumstances. That their blessings were the work of a caring God who sustains them and who preserves the world and everything in it. I preached on the sovereignty and providence of God. It was all to no avail. The luck word was deeply ingrained in their speech. One kindly lady told me that she was no longer allowed to say luck. Uh, The minister had forbidden it and that she had determined from now on to say that she'd had good fortune. I tried to explain that using fortune as a replacement for luck wasn't a great improvement. She was truly baffled. So to describe any act or event or circumstance as being lucky is to blaspheme the gracious providence of God. So today, let us see the kindly hand of God our loving Father in every minute, in every second, in every event of each of our lives, so that we can fully trust him and give him thanks and glory for leading us and determining our paths. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. Whether you're listening on your mobile device and your podcast app or on the internet or by CD, I appreciate you joining us for our catechism class at Ballymacashan. If you'd like to support the podcast, then please do so. You can download the podcast on, onto your podcast app on your phone or your mobile device and you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, various other places, wherever you get your podcasts from. Subscribe to the podcast and give it a five-star rating. That raises the profile of the podcast on your particular platform and it will help others to find us. 
a wee notice in advance too. During the month of August, there will be no podcasts, no catechism classes to do. Uh, I'm off for a few weeks' holidays, but I'll be back in September. And I'll see you next week for our regular scheduled podcasts. Meanwhile, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.